This upcoming concert season will be all about the boots, and Tecovis is your stop for the best in Western style. Tecovis has seasonal and limited edition offerings this spring and summer, including men's and women's boots, apparel, hats, bags, and more. All Tecovis boots are made by hand in a time-honored tradition with timeless styles that are always on trend. And Tecovis has first wear comfort with little to no break-in period. It's hard to find this level of comfort paired with this level of style. Stop by your local Tecova store, have a complimentary drink or two, that's WCB style, and shop new styles. The smell of fresh leather and friendly staff are at your service. Many stores even have leather custom branding to make your boots truly personalized. And with regular live music and events, there's no in-store experience like it. If you can't make it into a store, just visit tecovas.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. They offer free shipping on all boots, as well as free returns and exchanges, and ship right to your door. Go to tecovas.com and find your new favorite pair of boots today. Fishing like a local isn't just about catching fish. It's about connecting with the environment and the people who call it home. It's about hearing the stories and traditions that have been passed down for generations and sharing unforgettable moments with the people you meet along the way. Fishing like a local is having an experience that stays with you forever. And with Fishing Booker, you can experience it too, no matter where you are. Discover your next adventure on Fishing Booker. Hello and welcome to the Publicly Challenged Podcast. I'm your host, Luke Oswald, and I hope you join me on my quest for knowledge to become a better public land hunter, angler, and forager. Stick with this and who knows, maybe we will learn something together. All right, real quick before we get started on the show, I'm just going to talk about Treeline Academy. You've heard me say it. I can't even tell you how many times. Um, Mark Livesey is treelineacademy.net. That's treelineacademy.net. Sign up. Use the promo code PC2020. Save yourself 20 bucks. Can't say it enough. It's awesome. Amazing. Most comprehensive e-scouting course out there. Check it out for yourself. Sign up. Use promo code PC2020. And now let's get to the show. All right. So I'm sitting here with Ken Pierce. And uh, we're going to talk about some cool stuff a little bit of fishing today so ken you want to go ahead and introduce yourself what's going on everybody uh ken pierce is the name but uh a lot of people formally know me as fishing ken of the youtube channel hook city tv man uh, where we sit and we do a lot of fishing uh just broke into a little bit of hunting uh sitting at about 84 and a half excuse me 84.5 thousand subscribers right now and we're climbing looking for a hundred thousand man that's cool. What's hopefully, going on? Hopefully Luke? we can get you a couple more, man. <laughs> Listen, we're, we're gonna work on it. All right. So, um, kind of, kind of run me through it. What was it like? Um, you know, getting started. How did you get started? When was the first time you went fishing? And, and uh, we'll kind of, we'll kind of start with that. Okay. So, well, I tell you what, man. Um, so, as a lot of people know, Hook City TV uh, is named after my dad. We call him Hook City. I've been fishing with the old man all my life. Uh, I believe he took me fishing around five years old. Um, and I'm, you know, I'm from Fort Worth, Texas. So my home lake is Lake Arlington uh, on the east side of Fort Worth, Texas. So that's where we, what we call cut our teeth uh, in the fishing game. 
And uh, we did a lot of bank fishing growing up, a lot of bluegill, a lot of catfish. Um, crappie, we were seasonal crappie fishermen at that time. Uh, so we believed in crappie season, you know, catfish season, things like that, um, before we matured and, and really learned this fishing game the way we have today. Um, but yeah, we started, man, five years old, um, catching whatever would bite. And I'm sure a lot of people can uh, can attest to that. Sometimes you go out, you just get whatever wants to bite. That's what I'm setting the hook on. <laughs> and uh, that's what we did. Uh, we caught crawfish as well. Um, and that's how it started for me, man. And it, it just became a lifelong thing, something that I've just totally enjoyed. No, that's that's great. I mean, I, I can remember a bunch of different times where I went out fishing with my dad and to this day, one of like the, the memories that sticks with me the most and one of the best times I had, my dad actually, I was sick at school, so my dad came and picked me up from mm. school, and he was like, hey, man, they just stocked this lake with trout. I know you don't feel good, but you think you're up for going doing a little fishing? <laughs> of course. Everybody loves early dismissal, man. <laughs> and so uh, I, I was probably, it had been like eight, probably around eight years old. And uh, he took me out, and I sat on the dock, and and just uh, maybe slightly feverish. I don't even remember, but uh, I, I truly remember that moment and just catching a bunch of trout with my dad. And it was it was really cool to just be there with like me and him. Um, you know, pretty pretty neat to have that memory, and pretty neat that right. it stuck with me. You got anything cool like that? Is there anything that's special that sticks out in your mind, or? Man, I tell you what. So again, we started at five, um, and we were the guys that would sit on the bank, and I always say, "Man, if I could make it, you know, a couple hundred yards out there, I know I could catch the fish like the guys in the boat do." Um, one of my fondest childhood memories is uh, uh, we bought a a two man boat. We call them Bass Busters, and uh, I might have been, I don't know, I would guess eight, nine years old, ten years old, somewhere in there. And, Man, we finally were able to uh, get out on the water, and there, there's a big wall on Lake Arlington, and it's probably, I'd say, about 300 yards from the bank, you know, that we had always looked at. And uh, we finally got this two-man boat bought, and we went across the water with two paddles and a trolling motor <laughs> and, uh, and a little 12-volt battery. We went across there, man, with our uh, catfish gear and uh, dropped right down. This was you know, when the, when the catfish were actually spawning. And that's when we learned that the catfish like to spawn on the on this concrete structure, on this wall. And we sat out there and we had a blast, man. It was probably one of the best days of my life to this day. You know what I mean? So <laughs> memories with dad, I've, I've learned, you know, memories with dad or memories with whoever you grew up fishing with is just a really special thing, man. Um, and there's a lot of people out there that, you know, they really reflect after the loss of a loved one, you know, the fishing memory. So it's always the fishing memory that gets brought up to me. And that's something that I'll cherish for the rest of my life. No, that's really cool. That's really cool that you got to do that and finally get out on the water. I remember, you know, uh, when I was a kid, my dad had a boat, but it wasn't the biggest and it wasn't the prettiest boat, you know, and you pull up next to all these people and they got their, you know, brand new Ranger bass boat back in the day was a big thing, you know, and you're looking over at it and you're like, man, that's, Imagine the fish you could catch out of that boat. But then you get these cool TV shows like when Meat Eater did that DOS boat thing and they had mm-hmm. to buy the crappiest boat they could find, right, and do all this right. different stuff to it and fix it up. And it, that kind of stirred up a bunch of memories for me that was pretty cool. And I was like, you know what? That boat wasn't so bad. You know, we caught a lot of fish in it. We did all kinds of stuff, caught striped bass and all kinds of things on different lakes. That That was a pretty good experience. So, 
you right. know, it's, it's different how like your perspective changes as you get older and you kind of just have more reverence for some of the things of the past, even though you didn't much care for them at the time. It's pretty cool. Right. Well, man, I'll I tell you one thing that I learned. Um, so our, our first big boat was a 19, it was a 1985 Raycraft, 17 and a half foot boat. Beautiful boat when we bought it. Um, we called it the Green Goblin. If you look back <laughs> on the old video, you'll see we, so our first boat, I mean, we, we treat everything bad. You know, we're rough and rugged on it. When you crappie fish, you're in buck brush and you're scraping up against that concrete wall that I referenced earlier and all these different things. And this boat was, I mean, it was ugly. Carpet tore up, feet <laughs> tore up, everything after about a couple of years, you know. Uh, but one thing I learned, man, the shiny stuff ain't always the stuff that's pulling in the fish. You know what I mean? It, it's kind of that. It's kind of like, you know, when you look on the bench uh, of a football team and you see some guys and they're going to have grass stains all over. Them. And then you're going to have that guy over there that's clean. Well, that guy that's clean probably didn't catch a whole lot. <laughs> I mean, or, you know, they, he didn't play a whole lot. Excuse me. Didn't play a whole lot. So in the same way. A lot of these pretty boats that used to shoot past us, you know, and make it to the spots before us, a lot of those guys had the nice things but didn't have the knowledge. And that's one of those things that I try um, to push. And one thing uh, I try to teach on this channel is, look, it can look good, but you got to be able to fish good, <laughs> man. You know, if, if you don't understand humps and ledges, um, if, if you don't understand – where your brush piles are, brush pile placement, or, you know, where these fish are, fish patterns, things like that. You can go buy a $5 million boat, but if you don't know where to put that boat, you won't catch the fish. So um, it, it, like you said, man, hindsight, looking back, you know, we have a, a, a nicer, newer boat now, um, but looking back, man, I put a lot of slime on the green goblin, <laughs> you know what I mean? And a lot of people will pull up to us and ask us, hey, where are these fish at? How are y'all catching these fish? All these different things. And it's like, man, but you got that sparkly ranger over there with all the newest electronics. You're supposed to know, too. You know? <laughs> so it was cool. It was cool. Um, looking back, it was cool being able to do what we did with limited resources. So, um, But that's the beauty of it, man. It really is the beauty of it because it, it allows your mind to, to really roll, to go and to find out. What are these fish doing? How are they doing it? Why are they doing it? Where are they doing it? And sometimes when you got all that pretty stuff, you just, you get caught up in it, just like live scope now. A lot of people get caught up in live scope and don't get caught up in, in you know, the biting fish, the aggressive fish. Boy, that's, that's a whole nother story. We can go on that forever. <laughs> so you kind of mentioned some things there that I kind of want to get into then. You talked about, you know, edges and brush piles and all that kind of stuff. So let's kind of break it down into, we'll say like, uh, we'll call them bait fish or, you know, smaller game fish like crappie and, and, and bluegills and stuff like that. So when yeah. you're trying to target them, like my problem is, is I can go out and I can catch a mess of bluegills, but I'm not catching the big ones. So, right. And, um, I've seen enough of your videos. I know that you're getting on them and you're getting on them honey holes. So let's kind of talk about that a little bit and kind of break it down into all those brush piles and edges you're talking about. And how, how do you look for them beforehand? You know, like before you even get to that lake, what are you going to look for? And then what are you identifying once you get there? All right. And we're talking about with, with 
uh, bluegill or crappie or both? We can do both. We can do both because it, it's, it's two different things. Okay. We, All right. So let's we'll just start with bluegill. All right. We'll go with bluegill. We'll go with bluegill. Okay. So starting with bluegill, I'll tell you, man, um, one, of the, one of the things is, you know, in the spring and in the summer, when the water starts to warm up, everything starts to spawn, it seems like, in fresh water, especially down here in the south. <clears throat> um, so the first thing we look for um, is beds. That's what we look for when we're catching these bluegill. I don't fish bluegill all year long. I fish them during uh, their spawning season uh, because I'm just, I- I'm a natural crappie fisherman, but I will stop to catch bluegill. <laughs> um, so a lot of times, so there's two different issues down here on the places that I fish bluegill. Um, some of these places, uh, they have a lot of rocky bottom to them and some don't. So of course we always want to look for a harder bottom. That's the kind of stuff I won't be able to tell until I'm looking at my down Im- imaging or my side image. Um, another thing that we always want to look for is weed edges. Bluegill always want to be near weed edges. So I always tell people in my videos that don't have side imaging, you're going to do a lot of fan casting. But you need to be um, throwing towards these weed edges. Um, now, what we use, I don't use slip, uh, slip cork uh, and, and hook or what they call bobber or anything like that when I bluegill fish. So what I'll do is I'll use a 1 ounce um, jig head, number, number four, number six hook. It really doesn't matter. Uh, but smaller is the better, you know, with a smaller mouth fish like a bluegill. Um, and what I'll do is I'll throw to these weeds, I'll let it hit the bottom, and then I'll crank it back slow. It's a bottom technique. Um, and that's how we locate these bluegill if we don't have side imaging. Now, with side imaging, I would drive around these weed edges, you know, basically the edges of the lake period. Um, <clears throat> and what I'll look for on side imaging is what looks like um, craters. If you ever see pictures of the moon and it has all those little different craters everywhere, that's what we're looking for on side imaging. Um, some of the old fishermen will tell you you can smell them, especially <laughs> when you're dealing with uh, the red ear or the um, what, uh, what people call shell cracker, uh, which is all in that sunfish family. Um, but the main thing is we wait for summer. So I'll start usually in about um, May and we'll fish bluegill beds a lot of times if the weather is right into um into September. September will be like the cutoff the first week of September. Um, but weed edges is going to be a really popular thing. The grass lines, that whole thing. Um, hard bottom, anywhere that where there's pebbles, I always tell people because what they do is they, again, they make these beds and they want that hard bottom. So I'll look for that kind of gravel on the banks because a lot of times if it's on the banks, it'll extend out into the lake the same way. That makes sense? Absolutely. You know what I'm yeah. Okay. Good deal. So that's what I look for um, in the summer months with the bluegill. Um, crappie is a little bit different, man. I've really become a student of crappie fishing where I follow these things all year long. So it's just not a summer thing. It's, you know, summer, winter, fall, spring. Um, and that just comes to understanding what they're doing and why they're doing it, right? So um, winter time, you know, a lot of people say, oh, the crappie go deep. Well, they do go deep, and they go deep for two reasons, warmer water and for forage, bait fish. Same thing happens in the creek. Why the creek? Again, everybody's going to say, well, why is the creek? Well, because the water is going to stay warmer longer in the creeks or it'll warm up faster in the creeks. A lot of people um, don't know that at a certain temperature, um, shad begin to die, right? 
So they'll run into these creeks seeking uh, the holes, the deep holes. You hear people talking about fishing deep holes in the wintertime. And of course, your crappie are going to follow right behind them. So that's that's a quick little breakdown of winter fishing. Now, when we go um, from winter into the spring, now they're thinking about spawning, right? So a lot of times we want to look in the tops of trees, um, depending on how big your lake is, you know, because there's there's a difference there. But I like to try to find the dirtier water because the dirtier water, again, is going to warm up faster. You're going to find them on the banks um, as you go deeper into the spring. Earlier in the spring, they'll still be in the uh, in the creek. Um, they'll also be uh, on laydowns, shallow laydowns, uh, shallow brush piles, things like that. So that's what I'm looking for in the spring. Again, these are just quick breakdowns. I mean, I, I could go deep into this stuff. This is just a little pattern certain times of year. So actually, after you come out of the spring, you go into the fall. Excuse me. You go into the summer, which is your, your post-spawn, right? So again, you know, that's a whole nother book you open up. So a lot of times <laughs> when, they, when they're done with their spawn, they're going to go to docks. They're going to go back out into the shallower brush piles. When I say shallower, I'm talking under 15 foot a lot of the time. Um, and that's going to be a lot of your post-pond uh, kind of stuff. Now, into the summer, they'll start to hit your deeper brush piles. Um, like right now here in Texas, it's really weird. They're really scattered in North Texas. You go east, you can find them in their normal summer patterns, which is, you know, following um, creek channels on timber. So that's, I mean, that's like the popular thing to do now with, um, with uh, live scope and things like that. So after that, you go into the fall where it's usually a free for all. Find some place to go, brush pile, tree, rock pile. It doesn't matter. They're everywhere and they're feeding, they're hungry, they're acting crazy because they're feeding up for the winter. Then you get into the wintertime and you go, you can go right back into the creek. So you can go right back into deep water. So again, quick breakdown, <laughs> you know, for anybody that has any further questions on that. But that's a quick breakdown on, on the four seasons for me, where, where I start. So um, you kind of you talked about, like, the, the structures and stuff. Um, what are you, like, looking for for that structure? Are you looking for, like, trees sticking out of the water? I mean, depending on the lake, there's a lot of different stuff. I know in Texas you've got you got some of that down there, especially if you get around like Lake Fork or something like that. To where yeah, your East it, Texas Lake. Yeah, it's nothing but, but – uh, structure sticking out of the water there yeah are you casting it, casting next to that then or what are you what are you trying to do no so a lot of a lot of the fishing that i'm doing is vertical jigging okay um, so we're getting right on top of these fish and dropping down every now and again they'll get finicky i mean you do have to do a little bit of pitching um shout out to acc crappie sticks real quick because <laughs> that's what i use you know i've been using acc crappie sticks for a while so when i'm vertical jigging i'm usually using a 12 foot or a 13 foot acc crappie stick and we're just dropping right down on these fish on standing timber. Um, now, the thing about standing timber, for those that don't have electronics, of course, you're going to have some timber that is not sticking out of the water. And that's the stuff that fishermen like me love because everybody wants to fish the stuff they can see that, that's visible. Um, but when you get into the live scopes and if you're good with your 2D or down image and things like that, then you start to fish the stuff that's barely under the surface. Any good crappie fisherman will tell you. I like to fish the stuff that's barely under the surface. And then some of the, some of the things that are standing but are fully submerged as well. Um, 
So I, I fish a lot of standing timber. Um, we also fish a lot of submerged brush piles. You know, that's a really big one at my home lake. There's really not any standing timber in that lake. So um, when I got really serious about crappie fishing, um, there wasn't a whole lot of visible stuff to fish. Um, which makes you have to learn electronics, um, which is a good thing, though. It, it really is a good thing because the visible stuff is the visible stuff. And the things that are submerged, it makes you better at. Um, bridge columns is another big one that a lot of people don't talk about. Um, in the summertime, uh, number one, it's keeping you cool. You're in the shade, you know. Um, and then number two, those fish, they love to stack up on bridge columns. Um, well, man, there's there's so many different types of structure that I fish. Um, at the end of the day, I tell people don't be a one trick pony because the day that they're not on that bridge, you just had a bad day fishing because you didn't know where any brush piles were, you know, or if they're not on the brush piles actively feeding, then, hey, let's run over here to the dam, to the riprap and see if we can catch them off the bottom with bottom techniques, you know, so um Again, there, there's a there's a lot into it, but there's multiple ways to fish. My number one way is uh, vertical jigging. I do like to cast that fish, especially when they're finicky. Um, when the boat shadow scares them away, you know, you got to stand back off of those fish. Um, kind of like we did in the Mr. Crappie Classic last year. You know, uh, those fish were finicky. We were fishing clear water, and if we got within 30 foot of them, they were gone. So we spot locked 35 foot away, use my six and a half foot ACC, cast over to them, and that's how we would get them to bite. Nice. Um, yeah. That's because <laughs> yeah, I've kind of noticed that. Like, I mean, there's been times where we've been crappy fishing. Uh, your vertical jigging, you know, on that structure is something sticking out of the water type, you know, trees or whatever, or brush piles. Mm -hmm. And even like, you know, it seemed like you'd think they'd be there in the spring. But then all of a sudden you see all these other people and they're doing it too. And you're like, you know, we just had a lot of rain and it's higher up and, you know, where the drainages are coming down into some of the lakes and started right. casting into the mouth of those drainages. Next thing you know, we're just pulling them out left and right. And it's like, okay, obviously they wanted a little more cover than what that could offer. They were up into the weeds. Right. There was like butterweed and some different things, fireweed or whatever it was. I think it was butterweed and some other things that were like sticking up out of the water and they were just sitting right up in there. So it was like, yeah, okay, a little bit different. They wanted some different structure there and wanted some, maybe some warmer water or something. Cause uh, all the rain kind of cooled it down. I'm not sure what, what that would um, have been. A, a lot of, a lot of oxygen. Um, and anytime you have anything that has a lot of runoff, it's, it's putting a lot of minerals into the water. So your bait fish are coming. Well, if the bait fish are there, here come the, the predatory fish, your crappie, your bass, your bluegill, your catfish. Um, so that's one. I like to see fresh water running water. Um, kind of going back to what you were talking about on the fish being in the grass, um, especially in the spring. If you can find cattails, if you find, I always say, just any kind of green leafy vegetation, they will actually spawn on that stuff. And a lot of people argue with me about this, and it's like, dude, <laughs> I've watched it. You know what I'm saying? I'm one of those kind of people, I won't say it unless I know. I won't share hearsay. I'll only share my experiences. And that way, you know, if anybody wants to argue or test me on it, then it, these are things that I've done. These are things that I've used to be successful. But if I go into a cove um, in the spring 
and it's a lot of dead vegetation and I see a spot where there's, you know, green vegetation, lively, leafy stuff. Oh, I'm going straight to it. There's no doubt about it. I'm going straight to it first. Those fish will spawn in that stuff and you can get on them good. <laughs> nice. So let's kind of talk about uh, the cooking aspect a little bit then. We'll kind of roll oh, into man. that. So Come on. <laughs> Crappie or bluegill? What's your favorite? Man, that's hard, man. That's that's like saying, man, that's hard. <laughs> let's that's rewind like that. Let, let's, go, let's go back before that. We'll go back before okay. that then. You're catching them. What are you doing with them? You're going to keep them on a stringer? You're going to keep them in a live well? Or are you going to throw Depends them directly on, the on ice? Depends on the time of year. Summertime. If we're fishing, <laughs> if, if, right. I mean, if we're fishing in, in cooler, in, in the cooler months, I can put them in a live well, keep the live well going, um, recirculator going. They're going to live. You know what I mean? So I'll have the fresh fish. Um, if we're dealing with the summer months, they're going straight on ice. Nobody wants mushy fish, you know. <laughs> um, so, so, and especially here in Texas, you know, we're sitting at like 89 close to 90 degree water temps right now. You put that fish in the live well, recirculator or not, he's not going to make it. Well, not if you put a bunch of them. I'm looking for 25 when I go fishing. <laughs> You're going to catch you know, a limit, right? Limit <laughs> I'm looking for 25. Um, I, don't, I don't keep as many fish anymore now that I'm full-time YouTubing um, because I go fishing so much. So I don't need that much fish all the time. Um, when I still had a full-time job, you know, as well as YouTube, and that meant on my off days, I was going fishing, usually one of those two. And yes, I was keeping my limit if I caught my limit, you know, <laughs> um, we eat a lot of fish in my family, man. So um, to go back between, I tell you what, I think I'll go with bluegill. bluegill. I really will. I'll go with bluegill. Um, they both fry up really nice. The difference is with me and my health, I've been trying to do less frying. Um, and crappie, they just tend to fall apart more when you try to blacken them or, or grill them. But that bluegill, he's, he's, he's just a, he has a different texture to him. It's a little bit he's firmer of a meat. Yeah. He's a little, exactly yeah. right. He's a little firmer of a meat and he blackens without breaking apart. I don't want scrambled <laughs> crappie. So, you know, I tend to blacken my bluegill and grill my bluegill. My dad and I go back and forth on that one. And he's a big crappie guy. Like his thing yeah. is crappie fishing and walleye fishing. And never uh, did it. And really? No, I'm working on it this year. Man. <laughs> All right, but uh, yeah. So like that's his thing. That's what he loves to do is crappie fish and walleye fish. He used to do a lot of bass fishing, like in the '90s or whatever. He'd fish a lot of tournaments, but it still wasn't like what he was passionate about. But he did it just because he liked doing it. But um, right. Um, but yes, yeah, so him and him and I go back and forth, and I'm like, man, I tell you what. He's like, oh, man, the crappie are biting real good. You know, let's go out. And I'm like, yeah, I'll go out. But I'm telling you right now, I don't need to keep a bunch of them because I'd rather eat a bunch of bluegill. <laughs> so, right, right. <laughs> Especially, like, I've got some some health things to where I try and fry them in different oils. I try not to use certain oils. And, mm -hmm. I, and I can't put too – I don't – I keep a lot of grains out of my diet. So it kind of eliminates right. – um, what I can bread them with. So, you know, if I'm breading them mm -hmm. or like cornmeal or something, I can only eat a little bit of it. And then, uh, I don't use any flour or anything like that. So I can't, right. have, I can't have wheat. So it kind of really limits me what I do. So I kind of like doing mm -hmm. things like you're talking about, like trying to blacken it or 
bake it in the oven and make like a right. poor man's lobster with uh, with the butter and, and garlic and, and a lime wedge and stuff like that. So what what's your like f- favorite way to kind of go about it now that you're doing like the healthier oh, standpoint? Let, let me let me just say that before the whole healthy thing and, and don't get me wrong. <laughs> I'm not strict on it. I'm, I, I'm a big dude, man. And so I got a lot of fighting to do when it comes to that. I am a cornmeal eater. Um, when I when I fry fish, um, you know, I love my cornmeal. And we got plenty of catch, clean, and cooks on the channel that'll show you that. Um, but for me, um, I try – man, I use butter. I still use butter, you know, and that's, that's probably something that I don't need to do a lot, but I know it's better than, you know, dunking it in cornmeal and then dunking it into some olive oil at 350 degrees and frying it to crispy golden brown, you know. Um, but I, I usually will just put a little butter in the skillet, man, and I'll I'll I just you know either pan fry um, with a little olive oil and butter, or I'll blacken with just a little bit of butter, and that's that's been my go-to, man. And I'm a lemon pepper guy, you know. <laughs> I, to me, you cannot beat lemon pepper on fish, um, especially if you take and if you have a little half a lemon and squeeze a little half a lemon in there, you know, once that fish is almost you know fully done, fully blackened or grilled or however you got it going. Squeeze a little lemon on top and mm, mm, good. I tell people all the time. <laughs> so if you ain't did that, you're missing out. Have you ever heard of a guy named Hank Shaw? No. Okay, so like he's kind of into foraging and hunts a lot of small game and stuff like that. He had a podcast in the past. He came back with this podcast, but now he talks more about like hunting and animals and stuff. Right. But before it was all about cuisine. And he sat down by himself on a microphone. And this is the only time I've ever listened to anything like that to where it was just one person talking, mm-hmm. sitting in a room talking to themselves for almost two hours, wow. all about fish and the different ways to prepare it. And it had me right. so captivated. But one of the things he talked about was clarified butter. So yeah. clarified I just learned about. I just learned about yeah. clarified <laughs> butter. I'm, I'm, I'm about to start making my own, actually. That's going to be a part of the channel. So. Too. You might want to check that out because he even goes into and he has recipes on his website, which I I think it's like Hunt, Gather, Cook or something like that or, or something. Um, okay. But if you check it out, he's actually got recipes on how to do like seasoned, how to make your own like with different flavorings in the clarified butter, which yeah. is pretty cool. But he talks about the clarified butter and the fact that it doesn't burn. So now you exactly. can bring it up to a higher temp. Rate. Yeah, exactly so right. way higher temp. You can bring it up to like 400 or 450. And mm-hmm. still be cooking with it. And then at the very end, if you still want that butter flavor, you just take one yeah. little pat and you put it right on top of that fish right before mm-hmm. you take it out. <laughs> exactly right. Yeah, I learned, I literally, so I just went on a, on a deep sea trip um, with a couple of friends. <clears throat> and I was sitting there trying to figure out, you know, what I should do. I, we went snapper fishing. I was sitting there trying to figure out what to do with this big old pretty filet. And uh, I succumbed to my bigness. And I ended up frying it. You know what I mean? I was like, you know, let's not mess this up. Let's just, let me find out what it's like fried. I mean, I was eating snapper in restaurants. Um, but prior tacos, to me, man. Right, exactly. <laughs> prior to me, to me giving up, you know, I, uh, I looked up a lot of stuff and we looked into clarified butter. And for those that don't know, I mean, clarifying butter is really just a process of putting a bunch of butter um, in, a, in a pot at low heat. And what happens is the fat separates from the butter or something 
in yeah. that range. So you lose all your lactose. So all exactly. all of your dairy product part of it separates from the fat, and all you're left with is your your oils. Yeah, yeah, the oils from the butter, and then it's perfect perfect cooking yeah. material. It's, perfect it's the perfect fat. <laughs> so we're gonna we're gonna be dealing with it for for the keto people out there, right? It's perfect fat. Um, so we'll be uh we'll be looking into that more. Um, I still have uh let's see we call it snapper we call it kingfish, or king mackerel, and uh, barracuda. So I'll probably be doing a little bit more grilling. Um, and I'm gonna be using some clarified butter, for sure. So um, sure. one of the things, and it was my dad telling me about this because he watches your channel quite a bit. Okay, shout out to that <laughs> man. I appreciate it, man. <laughs> and uh, he was the one who got me started watching you. So, um, yeah, he he was telling me, and I hadn't seen the episode, but he was telling me because you know you're family oriented, whatever. You guys all get together, and you guys cook like you make chips out of. Can you tell me about that? You know, I see you smile. You're t- like you know what I'm talking okay. about. Okay, so. So more than likely, if you're if you if I'm mentioning chips, then we're talking about rib cage meat. Yes. So on my exactly right. So on my bigger crappie, of course, they're going to be a little more meatier, right? So you fillet your fish the regular way, and then you cut, you make that V cut out of your fillet, which leaves you know the rib cage out. Well, what I had started doing because I started taking these these rib cages. And I would be throwing them into the gut bucket. And as I'm grabbing them, they're, they're thick. You know, they're meaty. They have bones in them, of course, but they're meaty. I'm like, you know what? If you think about it, every cook, while they're cooking, I want to know how many people out there can cook a batch of fish for the family and won't taste the piece. <laughs> right? I mean, you got to taste the piece. That's how it works. So what I started doing is I would take a, a, a good, you know, manual blade that you know, has a lot of flexibility in it. And I'd sit it right on those bones, you know, flex that knife really good and just make one quick swipe. And what that leaves you is almost like a sushi slice of crappie, you know, off the rib cages. So what I would do is I would take those and I'd leave them off to the side so that now, instead of eating a bunch of fillets while I'm cooking fish, I'm eating these little chips. And we call them crappie chips. Same thing with bluegill. You know, if you get those bigger bluegill, you can do the same thing. Yes, I fillet bluegill. And you can do the same thing with it, man. So it's it's our taste testers. And the kids really love it. Um, my wife, she's a finicky eater. Um, so she, and my mom as well. So they want something that's going to be really, really crunchy. So for those people that like the really crunchy stuff, that little thin piece of meat with a little cornmeal and mustard and cornmeal on it, can't beat it, man. You cannot beat it. So, so is there any bone in it? But it's so thin, it doesn't no. bother you, or there's no bone. No, no, there is no. So that again. So if you imagine what a rib cage looks like, um, even if you're talking about beef or pork ribs, there's a layer of meat over the top of those ribs, and that's what we're taking off. We're not getting in between the bones okay. or anything like that. But just with whatever's sitting on top. You know, you you take that off of there, and it's it's a really really thin piece of meat. But again, if you're if you're harvesting, you know, twelve, I just say twelve to fourteen inch fish. I usually let them go back to bigger than fourteen. But twelve to fourteen inch fish, a lot of those fish, um, in the fall time, they're a lot more plump. They have a lot more meat on their bones, you know, so to speak. <laughs> and you can get that thin piece of meat off of the top of that rib cage really easy, man. And it it, it is a delight sure nice 
Nice. So that's something I had to ask you. I wanted to know about it a little yeah, more because he told me about it and I never saw the episode or whatever. So it was kind of something I needed to know. <laughs> right. Well, I tell you what, I will have to look in, in the uh, Catch, Clean and Cook playlist. It's somewhere in there for sure. Um, it might even be, I did a, I did a, let's see, I did a tutorial on uh, filleting. Man, this, this video might be three or four years old. I'm wondering if that's where he saw that. I don't know. Um, He's been watching for a while. I'll tell you that. He's been watching for a while. So. Man, tell that. I said, I appreciate it. So let me, let, me, let me say this real quick, man. We call it growing the show, right? So that's what support looks like when we're growing the show. So what that means is, is somebody tell somebody else about the show, man. You know, and it's, it's as simple as that. So what happened is I, I, um, I was able to reach your dad, which is, which is a blessing in itself, you know, and I thank him for the support on the channel. But listen, he liked the videos enough to tell you about it. So <laughs> without him even thinking about it, he helped me grow the show. Because if you hit the subscribe button, I just made a two for one off of your dad watching these videos. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? I get it. So, so we call it growing the show, man. And, and that's what we're trying. That's what we're doing to get to 100,000, man. We want to grow it organically. And we want to grow the show for, for people that really do like the video. You know, you hear about people buying views and all this kind of stuff. It's like, I don't want, I want people that enjoy fishing, that enjoy hunting, you know, and, and all that kind of good stuff. And, and enjoy watching me and my dad. You know what I mean? Yeah. Those are the people that I believe will stay. You know what I mean? Um, and, and that, man, that'll continue to support. And I like to pour into those types of people, man. I really do. So I got to ask you, what's the barracuda taste like? I haven't tasted it yet. It's what? still in the freezer right now. So, so man, I live such a busy life, man. God, <laughs> I'm always on the run. Um, we had a, we had a, a family come down. Shout out to my sister. Uh, she's now my my new sister in Christ, Tamika, and her husband Marco. Um, they're actually moderators when I go live every Thursday night on my channel. Um, so they came down for their anniversary to fish with us, and we went and got some of those big old bluegill. Um, and she, you know, she came down. We did a whole lot of fishing, two days of fishing, and you know, I'm I'm just being a good host. So I mean, that week, it's like it just flew by. You know what I mean? And then when I finally get done, I'm back into editing, and then man, I got to make another video. So <laughs> things happen so fast, and coming home and thawing out fish. It's just not in the program most of the time, man. So I'm going to get that Barracuda. I know looking at it, um, it doesn't look bad. Our God, Lane Palmer, shout out to Lane Palmer. Um, he said that, um, you know, he likes it better than the snapper sometimes. Um, it is a darker meat fish. It kind of reminds me, um, I don't think, man. It's not a, that snapper is a really white filet. That, um, that barracuda, he's, it's just a darker, it's just, I don't want to call it an oily meat, but it is a darker filet. It is a little bit darker filet. Um, and then we have the, the mackerel, and that thing is, I mean, you can tell that thing is oily. Um, so <laughs> I'm probably going to be wrapping a piece of bacon around him and throwing him on the grill for a little <laughs> while. See if we can get him to taste good. So I'm excited about it all. I need to make sure I got the camera out, man. So are you gonna make make some tacos or something with like a citrus slaw yeah, or something I, out of the man, out of the barracuda? Yeah, I'll probably do that, man. I'm I'm 
pray for me that I do not try to fry this doggone bear cook. It looks good, man. It looks good. And, you know, it's one of those things I don't have a lot of. It, so it's like, don't mess up the bear cooter. Don't yep. do it. Um, you might have so, to get something to practice with first. <laughs> I, right. I, I, might, I might pull out some bluegill for like, That's what I was going to tell you earlier when you started talking about cooking bluegill. So I do have a new idea. I had a subscriber um, hit me up on one of my bluegill videos a while back. <clears throat> and he had mentioned, uh, I think he said he was in the Northeast or something. But his grandmother used to boil bluegill fillets. Hmm. Now that's, now check me out though. He said boil them in crab boil. Okay. So now, like boil exactly, them in butter. I, I did exactly I... what you just did. I kind of looked up <laughs> in the sky and that little light bulb went off up there. And I was like, wait a minute. Poor man's now, lobster, right? Yeah, I get it. Well, yes. Yeah, you know, so I um I thought about it and I actually have some some redder fillets in the in the in the freezer. And I said, you know what? I'm gonna try that. I mean, at first you think boil, and when you think boil, you don't think of a lot of flavor. You know, you boil noodles, you boil eggs, you, you know, you don't boil meat, you know what I mean? <laughs> so I sat there and I thought about it for a while and I said, Well if I, you know, I don't use a whole lot of water, make sure I got a good amount of crab boil in there, maybe a little butter, maybe a little lemon, and it might come out really good. I'm, I'm, my mind is saying these fillets are going to firm up really fast. They might even curl up, and we might even get a poor man's lobster kind of deal out of it. So <laughs> we're going to see, man. I, I visited um, Wisconsin. Um, was that last year? Yeah, that was last year. I think it was last February. And uh, they have this little ugly fish. It almost looks like a frog. I, I wish. Like a dog, not a dogfish, but a. Burbit? Oh, shit. Burbit. 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 Yeah. Okay. And so <laughs> we actually saw one swim under our little ice hole. And I'm looking like, whoa, what was that? It's like, it was a burbit. It was like poor man's lobster. And I was like, really? I said, well, how do they prepare it? You know? And he says, well, they boil it in Sprite. And I said, what? Okay. <laughs> you know, like, wait a minute. We ain't going to be wasting no good soda to be messing up no fish. Um, but they said that, you know, that's what they do. They boil it in Sprite. And I said, man, next time I get up there, I'm going to eat some Sprite fish. I got to try that out, man. You know? So, I'm, and I might even do it with, with, you know, like I said, a bluegill. Fish. Or, um, so I think bass are nasty. Black bass, largemouth bass. I tried it one time and I said, Man. but that might be a fish that you could boil in something different. I know a lot you know, of people crab are boil. gonna hate this, but smallmouth actually tastes pretty <laughs> pretty good I've, listen <laughs> I, man I, I hope we don't get crucified for talking about eating bass a bass is safe in my boat i promise i catch him it's cool when there's a big one on the line matter of fact i've been catching them all summer um they, they've been sitting in these trees just like crappie you know yep. and i'll drop down on them with this live scope and i'll nail them i've been nailing them up to eight pounds you know that's too big. 10 pounds that's, that's too big, but... well not to eat definitely not to eat but just to have fun with is my yep. point um, but if I if I caught, you know, I don't eat bass. God knows I don't. But as far as for the purpose of making the video, you know what I mean? Of course, I wouldn't waste it. I would go ahead and eat it. My dad will eat it, you know, if I don't like it. But either way, maybe taking, I mean, you talk about a beautiful filet, man. 
I filleted this bass out, and I mean, I had little hearts in my eyes. It, it was just a beautiful fillet just sitting there. And I, I, you know, I filleted him out, and I said, wow, this is going to be good. And, you know, he was, I don't know, he might have been about a three-pound bass or so. So I ended up having to chop him up, you know, to not have a just gigantic fillet, and I fried him, of course. And I bit into it, and I was like, man, I think I'd rather eat gar. <laughs> they eat this again. And gar is not bad as long as it's hot, by the way. See, I've never eaten a gar. And we used to, uh, my buddy used to use them for fertilizer. Um, oh, yeah. <laughs> we never, we never I, used to, I mean, we catch them. Like, I've been jogging right. and I'll catch them and I'll let them go, or half the time they break my line. But, right. you know what I mean? Or, um, but the only time is when we're bow fishing. We used to get some every once in a while, and he'd actually take them, and he'd he'd actually use them for fertilizer in his garden. He's got an amazing garden, so. Um. Yeah, listen, I get it. I get it, man. I but, really do. I have a I have a buddy that has a really nice garden as well, and that's what he he grinds up the fish scraps a lot of times. Yep. The heads and whatever else, and he, he adds it into his garden, and he has beautiful, you know, leafy greens, cauliflowers, and everything. Yeah. You know? <laughs> But um, so I got to ask you, um, what uh, wh- what do you like? What's your plans for the future as far as fishing goes? You gonna like take up fly fishing? Maybe try something like that? Do anything? I'm open to all of it, man. Um, <clears throat> um, it's, so the channel is expanding, like I said, in all ways. I'm I'm getting into hunting too. Um, but as far as fishing, I want to continue to to you know push the sport of crappie fishing. I love crappie fishing. Um, I will do some fly fishing if invited. You know, I'm probably not going to just take out and do that on my own. Um, man, just whatever. You know, it's kind of one of those things you just you look at the trends. As a YouTuber, you look at the trends and kind of see which way the trends are going and you go that way. As far as me being, you know, my, my own person and being creative and things like that, um, looking into doing a lot more night fishing. <clears throat> um, which is hard to do on video, but I'm looking into getting some better setups and maybe even a better camera uh, to shoot night video with. Um, so it's going to be a lot of night fishing, uh, especially in these summer months where a lot of the, our older crowd, they don't get out in this heat. You know, I mean, heat exhaustion is for real. That's why I'm drinking water. Man. I, I try to drink water. I, I'm too big to be out there and get heat exhaustion. Doggone it to get bad quick, you know. Um, but night fishing is a big one. Um, uh, the other one is bow fishing. I do want to get into some bow fishing. Um, now, I can tell you, it drives me nuts to pull up to a, a lake um, in the morning and you see a bunch of gar sitting out or a bunch of buffalo oh, sitting out. No, you can't do uh, that. <laughs> so so in, in doing the bow fishing, I kind of want to share the right way to do stuff because I don't think a lot of people share that side of it. You know, I see bow fishing videos. Hey, bam, I got an alligator guard. Bam, I got, I think we can shoot catfish in Texas now. So got a big old catfish and got a big old guard, got a big old buffalo. But it's like, man, what's like besides just the fun of it, we never see what these people are doing after afterwards with their catch. Um, and that's what I want to show. I want to show that for centuries, People have been, you know, uh, shooting or catching buffalo and eating the ribs. 
So when you eat a buffalo, you eat the ribs. You fry them, of course. Um, <laughs> but buffalo ribs, I've heard, are one of the best uh, pieces of fish ever among all fish worldwide, you know. So I want to show me harvesting a buffalo, you know, and, and, and how to prepare the ribs. You know what I mean? Um, of course, catfish, you can do, you can smoke a catfish, you can grill a catfish, you can blacken a catfish. Matter of fact, I just did a blackened catfish video. Um, so things like that, man. Carp, I'll probably leave alone. You know, um, <laughs> I might do one catch, clean and cook with one fish. But other than that, I'm not going to go crazy. So that's what that's what I plan to do. Um, like I said, a lot of boat fishing, a lot of night fishing, especially during the summer months because it's so hot and it's not enjoyable. You've got five mile an hour wind, but it's a hundred and you know, next to Hades outside. <laughs> Nobody wants to be sitting out there in that, man. You know what I mean? You you can you can kill yourself, literally. So late evening, night fishing, things like that. I'm going to expand on that kind of stuff because people, you know, a lot of people aren't exposed to that. And I, and I love educating. That's, that's my thing. I like to be informative and entertaining. If, if you watch the video, or if you see me on Thursday nights, I always talk about being informative and entertaining. So I want to inform people that, hey, there's some fish biting at night. This is how you get on. Nice. So live bait or uh, synthetics? Jigs. Give me the jig. I tell you what, so live bait is fun, you know, and, and, and there's a place for it. Um, a lot of times when the bite gets finicky, gets finicky in the summertime, a lot of people use live bait. Um, but I had a man tell me, look, in the spring, in the fall, you know, in the winter, I can take this jig and I'll catch three to one to your minnows by the time you reach down in that bucket, <laughs> pick it up, you flop it around in your hand, got to get him on the hook, then you're finally set up and ready to go. By the time you've done all that, I've fixed my jig if I'm using plastic or didn't fix my jig if I'm using a hand tie, I'm dropping right back down and I'm catching another fish. The <laughs> difference between the two is you got to figure out what the fish wants. You know, some people will tell you, oh, they ain't biting black and chartreuse or white and chartreuse, they ain't biting. I don't believe that. I believe color matters even after um, the addition of live scope. A lot of people say, oh, with live scope, you can drop anything down there on those fish. Well, what do you do when you have a bad day of fishing? You just say, oh, they ain't biting. You won't go grab a, a green and orange or, you know, Purple all white. Or whatever. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Like, why would, you, why would you do yourself like that? I'm not going to do that. I'm going to commit myself to find exactly what those fish want. Um, but for me, man, I love jigs. Um, I started out with, uh, with a lot of the plastic jigs. Um, and then I've come to love, especially in the summer months, again, when they're finicky, I've come to love um, the, the hand tie jigs, the, the ones that are made with feathers and chenelles and things like that. Um, very durable bait. Um, they're usually a little more pricey. But if you find the right one, as long as you don't hang it up, you'll catch millions of fish off of one bait if that's what they want, you know, and as long as you don't lose it. So, um, that's my thing, man. I, I love jig fishing, and there's something about feeling that thump. You know, you don't always get a thump with live bait. A lot of times I tell, because I, I have did a little bit of guiding, but a lot of times I always tell my clients, 
there's going to be just pressure. They're going to nick, nick, nick at it, and that's just them, especially in the summertime, again, finicky. They're just going to nick at that bait, nick at that bait, and you'll feel, you'll feel that rod tip just bounce just a little bit. But then when they make up their mind and they commit, they're going to grab that bait, and all you're going to feel is pressure or that, that rod tip going down. And that's when you want to set your hook. Otherwise, you're just going to lose a bunch. Um, and that, that's fun. But if I can feel a thump, <laughs> that hook on that fish, man, that, that's something. If they figure out how to put that in the can and sell it, oh, man, I'd be a rich man. I'd be a rich man. So let's talk about hunting a little bit. I kind, I'm kind of curious. Come on. As an adult, you got into hunting, right? Um mm-hmm. Did you have any mentors, anybody to help guide you along? You learn oh, it on your own. How, how are you going about it? I tell you, man, God has blessed me, man. Um, for years, I wanted to hunt. Um, and, and, and I know people, I have family members that hunt. Um, but it was, it was, you know, never really just brought to us like, hey, let's go hunt. But I tell you what, man, um, and man, I don't want to get too long with it. Shout out to my man, Cowboy Roy. <laughs> so we call him Cowboy Roy. Um, his name is Demetrius. He's he's a he's a pastor over here in Fort Worth as well. Um, met him, man. He's been a brother since, but I met him about two years ago, maybe a little over now. Um, and he, we had a mutual friend from high school. Um, one of my buddies in high school. He was his uh, at this time. It was his youth pastor, and uh, he uh, called me one day. His name is Donald. Donald called me. He said, "Hey, man, uh, my pastor, man." He watches, he found out, I know you, uh, through Facebook. He saw the, you know, the Facebook friends and everything. He said, man, he would be so excited if you gave him a call, man, because uh, he watches your channel. Okay, I call him, you know, mutual friend. If Donald says he's cool, he must be cool, you know. So I called him. We hit it off, man. We talked, and he said he wanted to learn how to fish. I said, all right, I want to learn how to hunt. He said, well, man, I'm a hunter through and through. You know, let's let's do it. So that was that was the the mutual agreement, um, and again, he's been a brother ever since. But um, he's a big time hunter. He took me on my first ever hunt. We went dove hunting for the first time two years ago in September. Had a blast. I'm I'm excited about this September as well. Um, then he he introduced me to a guy named uh, Sheldon Lovelace, who is who is you know big in the outdoor industry. Um, shout out to Sheldon. Uh, hooked up with him, and that's where I did my very first hog hunt with my dad. Um, we were in a in a in a stand in a blind, um, doing that. Um, and then, uh, man, one of my new friends, Seth Green of uh, Cutters and Curls Outfitters, he's a, a thermal uh, hog hunter. Oh, and man, <laughs> listen, I tell you what, I'm trying to figure out now. How I'm going to sneak and buy this $4,000 thermal and my wife not know about it. It's for the show. I mean, I'm ate up. It's for the What'd show. It's for the show. It's for the show, Think right? It. It's all for the business, baby. You could use the thermals for the water for when you're, when you're gigging frogs or finding flounders or something, right? Correct. So you, <laughs> there you go. You're right. So I mean, there's a lot. You know what? Thank you. Thank you, Luke. That's a lot, that's a lot of things we can do with that. But, man, I tell you, I was ate up, man, um, stalking these these hogs in these corn and weed and cotton fields, milo fields, man, it is crazy. Um, I do have, I think I have one or two videos on that now. I got more to come. Um, but man, that is fun. You know, 
hunting, hunting again, it's a different experience. So again, I'm a student of crappie fishing. So when I jumped into this crappie fishing and I really like I really focused in on it. I was I was in my late 20s when I said, okay, I'm figuring out crappie fishing. I keep seeing these people on Texas Fishing Forum and, and Facebook and all these different places, and they are killing these crappies on the same exact day that I was out there. Yeah. You know what I mean? And it's like, I got to figure out what's going on. So shout out to, uh, his name is Pat Trahan, a.k.a. Sackalat Pat is what they called him. He's one of the guys that answered the first call, man, and he showed me crappie fishing. Um, but not to get too far into that, um, but I I turned into a student and I soaked up everything. I read blogs. I listened to people all everywhere. I went to seminars. I mean, I was ate up in the same way that's what's happening now on the hunting side of things. <laughs> the problem is it isn't just bluegill and crappie. Now you got hogs, you got doves, you got turkey, you got deer. You, it, oh my goodness! It just, you know, it 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 goes forever. Then you, you get into I mean? the western, and you get into elk and and oh. bighorn sheep. And, uh, <laughs> and predator goats. hunting, yeah. rabbit hunt. Let me, I, you know what? Let me say this. I forgot one person in my hunting in this two year hunting journey. Um, my man Mandel Featherston of Featherston Outdoors. He has a YouTube channel as well. He is from Virginia, and he's a big rabbit hunter. Um, he rabbit hunts with beagles. That might be, man, that's up there for me. Rabbit hunting is a blast. <laughs> it's, it's, a, it's a social thing. Um, you know, of course, you got to be quiet, but not on the level of deer hunting or hog hunting. And you're not worried about them, you know, grabbing your scent, being upwind or downwind and all that kind of stuff. You let these beagles go, and I mean, Mando has some incredible dogs, incredible dogs. And I'm I'm a dog lover. I love to watch dogs work. Um, and when I saw these dogs working through these briar patches and under these cedar trees and flushing these rabbits and running rabbits for hours, you know, um, I loved it. I absolutely loved it, man. Um, and I, I I I'm thankful for my man. Uh, Demetri, aka Cowboy Roy, that he, uh, <laughs> you know, he took me dove hunting because that was the first time I learned how to swing a shotgun. Well, in the same way, I got to swing the shotgun when I'm when I'm shooting at these rabbits. You know what I mean? So it it kind of went hand in hand, and it was cool, man. It was a it was it was a lot of fun. So rabbit, dove, and hog is probably my main three right now. <laughs> Were you that big into uh, into guns before that? Or? No. I was afraid of guns, man. See, and now, um, now. <laughs> well, well, so, so, so a lot of times fear comes from ignorance, right? Yes. Um, and, 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 you know, we don't want to use it as a bad word, but ignorance just means not knowing. Um, and growing up, I had a, I had a cousin that had a, an accident with a gun. And from then on, I was like, well, shoot, if they can accidentally kill people, I'm out. You know what I mean? <laughs> Besides me playing with my BB gun. And, you know, with nobody taking me hunting, I just didn't do it. I was ignorant to the fact on the safety of guns. Well, after taking courses, you know, and, and going out with, with seasoned veterans, seasoned hunters, and understanding my safety and how to unload guns, just that whole thing, man, you know, I'm, I'm not ignorant to the fact anymore. You know what I mean? And um, I don't have a problem with them, with them anymore. That's you know, right. I'm ready to grab them. <laughs> 
grab them, get loaded, and you know, let's let's go do our thing, man. You know, let's go hunting. So, um, I'm thankful uh, for the guys I mentioned, man, because they helped me in more ways than just putting, you know, uh, uh, food on the table. They helped me psychologically to not be afraid of a school because that's what a gun that's is. It is. It's an inanimate object that uh, a person has to dictate what it's going to do. Exactly yep. right. Um, so with that being said, and now that you're a gun hunter, is it going to progress into archery at some point? Oh, yeah. <laughs> so we plan on, I'm eight up, man. I'm telling you, I'm, I'm all in. So me and Demetrius are actually, we're talking about, um, I, so I've never taken a deer. Um, and absolutely love venison, love deer meat. So what? So this year we're planning on. Uh, he's he's really doe heavy at his ranch. So we're we're thinking we're talking about getting a doe this year um, and doing it with a with a crossbow. Now I know a lot of people are against crossbows. We're gonna start slow. Listen, I'm gonna put the training <laughs> wheels on, you know, and then we're go, we'll work into the recurves and all that different kind of compounds and all that. But um, you know. Yeah, that's what I want to do that, man. Um, I keep hearing like there is there is nothing greater, you know, than being 20 yards away from these animals, 25 yards away from these animals. And you're being so still and you're being so quiet and, you know, you want to make the perfect shot. And, you know, he's waiting on me to get buck fever. He thought I was going to get it with the with the hogs that we've been we've been harvesting. But it's like I love it. Don't get me wrong. But I don't know. There's something calming about it for me. Now, listen, <laughs> I, I get in front of my first eight point. Who knows? You know, I might get the shakes. I don't know. Um, but as of right now, I like the psychological battle because, you know, and I've missed. Oh, my God. I missed my first hog a couple of months ago. And it That's just right. tore, me apart, <laughs> tore me apart. I mean, I called Sheldon. I called Mandel. I talked to D two or three weeks about it and it it was so funny because i was so distraught you know um number one i always want to make a good clean ethical shot and missing is it bothered my soul and i completely missed this hog and it's because i rushed my shot and i pulled um i know exactly what i did i know how to fix it you know and since then i've been hunting some more and i've harvested more hogs um but man i want to be I don't want to be good at anything. I want to be great. Like I, I want to put my all into it and be great at it. You know what I mean? And for missing tore me. Up. I mean, I couldn't go to sleep the next night, so, man. It was funny. So with that though, like you, t- you talked earlier, you know, you said you're going to progress into it. Honestly, mm-hmm. just getting people out there getting people out there so they can experience that, whether it's a crossbow, whether it's a rifle, recurve, mm-hmm. compound, whatever they want to use, I don't care. I just want to see right. them get out there. I'm not going to judge them. I may give them a little bit of crap later on as they evolve yeah. into a different hunter, but yeah. at first it doesn't matter. Get them out get there, there, get them that experience, because I'll tell you, I don't I don't get that feeling from from fishing as much. It's more so okay. soaking in the scenery and the sunrise and the mm-hmm. sunsets that God's like painted that beautiful picture, right? Yep. And 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 that in its way is motivating and and captivating and and you feel it. You feel that energy from looking at that and soaking it in and and just imagining, wow, this is the beauty that's been bestowed upon us as humans. Yeah. But 
when you get into those like big animals, big game, and you have mm. to try and figure them out, you have to get in close, you have to play the entire strategy on them, right, and and get it mm. to where that sense just right. They've walked past you. They don't know you're there. You make yeah. your move on them. You make the conscious decision to take that life. Mm-hmm. At that point, there's a feeling that rushes over you. It consumes every part of you. It feels like just a feeling is washed over you. Like you realize that you've been created and those things have been created for you to do that as well. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. that is a powerful, powerful feeling and experience. And I can't wait. Right. I can't wait for you to get that. Because man, I, I it is amazing. Got it yeah. I, and- <laughs> man, I tell you what. I'm, <clears throat> so I feel like you just kind of explained that. Not buck fever, but somewhere in that realm. I feel like you just took me to that. So you the know buck I mean? fever, that's different, right? That's the nerves. That's the anticipation. That's the exactly self-doubt. Right all of those things that work up to that mm-hmm. and then the release of, you know, the energy afterwards, afterwards. Yeah. but, but stopping to take a moment and realize what you just did mm-hmm. and what you just provided for your family, all right. of those things that come with that and the work that was put in, all of that just comes to a culmination. And it's like, man, this is amazing. And I feel blessed. Like you know, that is that level of it. I just, I never get that fishing, like I said, other than like the scenery and everything. But if it, I mean, right. come on, a fish is, you know, it's a fish, hard to catch, but don't get me wrong. But it's right. smaller, it, it doesn't have that same connection, right? It's cold-blooded, it's not a mammal. It's, yeah. it's something different, and it's amazing. So like, not only you, but anybody that wants to get out there, I want them to get out there. I want to mm-hmm. try and help them any way I can, or anybody else that has a platform to help them, help them, right. get them out there. I want to see it. It's a beautiful thing, and it will transform your life. Man, I tell you what, I'm, I, I really am ready for it. Um, <clears throat> Hulk Hunt did a lot for me. So here's, <laughs> here's a funny, I'm serious, man. Here's a funny story. So um, my first hog, uh, me and Sheldon, the, the guy that introduced me into Hulk Hunt, um, you know, we were in the stand together, and then Dee and, and my dad were in the stand together, you know, miles away. Um but I used to always laugh. I've always watched hunting and fishing shows. And I used to always laugh at the guys that afterwards would be shaking or they might even cry and, and all this different kind of stuff. And I was like, man, that's, <laughs> that's a lot. You just shot him. I get it. You know what I mean? But again, that was my ignorance looking at it from <laughs> one side of the table, right? So I shoot this hog. No, I can't just give you that. I got I to gotta give it out to you, Luke. I got to give it out to you. So we got the wind. We got our wind at our back going straight to the feeder. And Sheldon, you know, again, uh, just, man, just an amazing guy, an amazing hunter. He tells me, he says, hey, you know, we got to keep, of course, we're hunting out of the stand. He's telling me, hey, when I let up these windows, you have a really tiny window before that wind is going to take your scent a hundred yards down there to that feeder. They're going to smell you and they're gone. You know, find your pig, find your shot, shoot. I'm like, golly, this sounds like a lot. You know, like (laughs) I don't want to rush. I don't, I hate rushing, you know? So I'm sitting there like, man, okay. 
And so this whole time, we knew that these hogs would come out <clears throat> between about 5.30 and nighttime, you know, which, which was, you know, 8 o'clock or so. So I'm sitting here, and every now and again, you know, I lean over and I look at my scope and I get comfortable with my rifle and everything. I did that maybe, I felt like, a hundred times. You know what I mean? Because, again, I want to make this clean, ethical shot. I want to do well. I got my camera. I'm trying to make video. <laughs> There's a lot on the line right here, right now, right? And I'm looking at these trees that's behind this theater. And I know from, you know, when I used to work at the railroad, you don't look for the thing. You look for the absence of light, right? If, does that make sense what I'm trying to say yep. when you're looking through these trees? Um, and I learned that at the railroad, you know, um, same thing when you're looking for messed up rail cars. So I'm sitting here and I've been looking at these trees, seems like for two days, you know what I mean? <laughs> and he's over there relaxed and I'm over there just bugging out and I'm looking through my scope and then I'm looking, you know, with binoculars and then I'm just looking out the window and I'm like, I got to do this. I got, and I'm hyping myself up. Right. So finally I see these hogs. I see the absence of light in this tree line. I'm like, oh, oh, oh. there go those hogs. And they, they come around the side <clears throat> and uh, we, we slowly open up the window. And as we do, you know, I stick, I stick my rifle out and a hog will come out to the edge of those trees. He'll throw his nose up in the air and he goes right back. I said, oh God, we ain't had this window open for 10 seconds good. You know what I mean? And I already on to it. So it was probably a group of about 15 hogs, you know. And so two more walk out, throw their nose up, go back. And so I'm sitting here, you know, aiming, trying to, because everything is moving. Everything's going mm -hmm. fast. It's almost dark. And I'm like, I'm not shooting unless it's a good shot. But he told me to hurry up. And I just got all this stuff running through my head. <laughs> and so finally, a little red sow, she steps out just a little bit too far. She throws her nose up and then she brings it back down and she hesitates. Boom, I take the shot. I hit this, this, I hit this little sow in the shoulder, you know, uh, uh, dropped it right there on the spot. And at that moment, the first thing came to my mind is, now are you gonna be laughing like you did at them other guys that were crying and everything? And it was like, it was the buildup. I get it now. <laughs> I didn't cry or none of that, but it was like, I get it now. That was a lot. That was a lot of pressure built up. And those hogs were doing a whole lot real fast. And to know I did exactly what I've been training to do, it was beautiful. It was like, woo. Like, <laughs> God, thank you that I got an inkling of sense about what I'm doing. And it, it was, it really was beautiful, man. Um, and then dad, of course, he got a, he got a big old boy that same day over in the other stand. It was just beautiful, man. But I will never laugh at a man that cries or shakes <laughs> or any of that after he makes a kill, man, because it is a lot. I get it. I get it now. Oh, no, that's awesome. But uh, I think that's a good point to wrap it up. I thank you for coming on. Yeah. Uh, it was awesome talking to you for sure. Before we go, can you tell everybody where they can find you, all your uh, streams and all that kind of stuff? Yeah, man. So listen, <clears throat> um, if you don't mind, man, I, I hope you don't mind this, but I, I just want to say uh, thank you, Luke, first of all. And then thank, thank my Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, for allowing me um, to get on this platform as well. Guys, 
man, Jesus is the best thing I've ever done. And and I would be um I would be wrong to not share that on any platform that I get on. Um, so so that's number one. But you can find me um <clears throat> Hook City TV on YouTube. I'm also Hook City TV on Facebook as well as Instagram, Hook City TV. Um again, I go live just about every Thursday night. I said just about because every now and again I get booked on a Thursday. But I go live at eight o'clock every Thursday night, Central Standard Time. Um, where we talk about the outdoors, I like to be, again, informative and entertaining. Um, and we actually to keep it clean because we do have, you know, different age groups that get onto the channel. Um, that's where you can find me. Other than that, if you need to send me an email, um, if you have any questions for me, um, HCTVTOO. So it's HCTV2 at gmail.com is where you can find me there. Um, and I like to always say, man, that there's no stupid questions. If you listen, if you got a question and you need answers and that that's concerning hunting, fishing uh, or the Christian faith. Um, what I like to do is I like to tell the truth. If I don't know the answer, I've been blessed to be around a lot of good hunters, fishers um, and then fishers of men, uh, uh, Christian brothers, uh, pastors, preachers and teachers um, that can help us get the answers that you need. So. Um, we'd love to have you. Again, we're trying to grow the show. 84.5 thousand subscribers, and we are making it to 100,000 real soon. That's awesome. Faith, family, fishing. Hook City yes, TV. Thank you so much, Ken. It's been awesome yes, talking sir. to you. Um, you take care, man. You too, man. Thank you for having me on, Luke. Once again, thank you so much for listening to the Publicly Challenged Podcast. I hope you enjoyed the show, and if you did, please subscribe on whatever platform it is you're listening to. Also, if you could leave a review, that would help us out. And you can check us out on Instagram or at publiclychallenged.com. And once again, thank you so much for listening to the show. Thursdays with Saltwater Experience, brought to you by Golden Boat Lifts, every Thursday night from 7 to 10 p.m. Eastern on Waypoint TV, the destination for outdoor entertainment. A life that has the stories to back it, a life to be proud of. It's a Winchester life. Yeah, baby, 6'8 Western. Oh, I'm old there, baby, right there. Tune in every Tuesday at 7 p.m. Eastern on Waypoint TV.